happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Welcome to Could Happen Here. I'm Andrew of the YouTube channel Andrewism, and I'm here with Mia, who uh, didn't miss the missed the cutest. Hey, I'm learning. Today, I just wanted to shed light on just some of the interesting history of the anarchist movement in Egypt. Uh, This is part two. Uh, The first part really just went into the historical context and progression, and how the anarchist community emerged in Egypt, you know, fueled by this growing Mediterranean network of migration, labor mobility, and communication. Of course, it started with the Italian community, known for their anarchism in that time, uh, but they soon gained the support of other groups sharing a radical vision of social emancipation. Uh, I learned all this from the book Anarchism and Syndicalism in the Colonial and Post-Colonial World, um, particularly the section written by Anthony Gorman on Egyptian history. In the years leading up to World War I, anarcho-syndicalism represented by the International Union played a leading role in organizing and developing a militant labor movement. Advocating for international solidarity among workers, they adapted well to Egypt's diverse society, embracing ethnic and religious pluralism and internationalism while opposing capitalism. Anarchists, along with socialists and liberals, contributed to the advancement of secular thought and Egyptian intellectual life, leaving a significant impact on their society. However, the anarchist movement faced challenges due to the state's coercion through surveillance, prosecution, and deportation. The authorities portrayed them as dissolute political adventurers pushing an alien ideology. Despite their achievements in formulating an anti-capitalist discourse and advocating for social emancipation, Other forces, like the Egyptian Communist Party and the Egyptian National Movement, would take on some of the ideas with a louder and more prominent voice. Today, I just want to give more details on the movement and what exactly they were doing in their heyday. 
clearly the anarchist movement in Egypt was not confined to the local. It was all about connecting with anarchists from different countries, making international friendships, and fighting for their shared ideals. The anarchists in Egypt got involved with the conference in Ververes and conferences in London and Italy, and hung out with anarchists from Istanbul, Greece, Tunisia, and more. Egypt became the spot for anarchists in the Eastern Mediterranean, and they'd made connections all the way to the United States and South America. It's kind of interestingly playing a similar role to, like, early 1900s Japan in, in terms of the anarchist movement where, mm. yeah, it's, you know, you get, you get these sort of like regional hubs that develop and people sort of like move through and around them, which I think is really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. And Egypt being a hub, you know, a lot of big name anarchists were visiting, oh, you know, big name. Uh, I'm talking people like Emile Claire, Cipriani, Elise Recluse, Erico Malatesta, Luigi Galliani, and Pietro Gori. And of course, with these agitators in the mix, the authorities got a little nervous. But the real lifeblood of the movement were not these influential figures. They were the publications that this community was producing and reading and distributing. The anarchists in Egypt didn't just read from newsletters all around the world, though that was a part of it, but they also contributed their own articles about what was happening in Egypt. They were connected, informed, and motivated by the international community they had built. They had a bunch of publications dedicated to workers' issues, uh, offering insights, debates, and discussions on common difficulties on matters of labor organization and strategy facilitated by an increasingly developed international transport system, particularly steamship services, the international anarchist press served as a vital channel for the dissemination and diffusion of the movement's ideas. It was the anarchist library before the anarchist library. In terms of how they went about organizing and propagating in Egypt, the anarchists there recognized the unique challenges of the local situation that they have to deal with. For the European anarchists, promoting their message of emancipation um, and combating the exploitation, ignorance, and injustice caused by capitalism, the state, and religious authority would be no easy task in a region where, for one, they're already being seen as part of the ongoing attempts of political domination by Western powers, uh, and also in a region with very deep historical religious divisions you know, such as the Crusades and the British and French colonization. It's really one of the major projects, I suppose, the European anarchists needed to communicate to the local population was that their ire did not lay with Europeans as a whole. It lay primarily with the European ruling class. Um, and so when it came to critiquing societal issues, anarchists strongly attacked the evils of capitalism. And of course, that had the best reception among the Egyptian workers. Of course, this isn't to say that the European workers in Egypt were like completely in common with the Egyptian workers. Despite the fact that the eye of the Egyptian workers uh, should really lie primarily with the European work, um, ruling class that was responsible for the imperialization of their country and the exploitation of their people, the presence of the European workers did also contribute to the exploitation because those European workers were paid so much better than native-born workers, were 
able to experience certain privileges that the native born workers did not have access to. Interestingly, although anarchists typically advocate for emancipation from all religious authorities, Islam wasn't specifically targeted in their literature. And there was probably a pragmatic consideration for whether anti-religious rhetoric would fly, considering they could just be deported because, of course, that was a crime. They still took on a hostile attitude towards the Egyptian state, though, condemning its coercive actions, surveillance culture, and abuse of power. But they didn't confront it head-on. Their program of action was far more focused on the goal of social transformation through the use of propaganda, education, and workers' associations. Because of the mixed conditions in Europe and in Egypt, the ideal of people of different races, religions, and nationalities united in solidarity had some real potency to it. So the internationalist mission was a very central component in their messaging at public conferences and at labor meetings. But it, it really was more so about the, the speaking, the propaganda of the word rather than the propaganda of the deed. In fact, interestingly, for that time, the anarchists in Egypt didn't really engage in much propaganda of the deed at all. Hmm. Uh, propaganda of the deed being, you know, political violence and assassination attempts. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Uh, for those who know, you know, a bit about the anarchists of that time, propaganda of the deed was what they were known for. <laughs> they had some some big name assassinations in the Bix. Um, for example, Franz Ferdinand, I believe, was assassinated by an anarchist. Wait, no, hold on. Franz Ferdinand is the guy who was killed by Gavirio Princep, the guy who started World War One. Right. Um, I've seen some sources call him a nationalist. Some sources call him uh, an anarchist. I don't think he was an anarchist. Yeah, he was exposed to socialist, anarchist, 
and communist writings when he was younger um, through school and through his roommate, Danilo Illich. But he was more so associating with nationalists, um, particularly when he got around to assassinating Franz Ferdinand. Nazis and fascists did call him an anarchist and a socialist. But it seems as though, although he was inspired by uh, nationalists and anarchists, he was more so in the nationalist side of the equation. Yeah, I mean, they did kill a few Habsburgs, which always, al- al- always a good thing to have less Habsburgs <laughs> in the world. You can, you can, you can, ma- you can make a chart over time, and one axis <laughs> is good, and the other axis is Habsburg. And you can see that they're inversely correlated. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Habsburgs are something else. But yeah, the anarchists in Egypt, not too much into the political violence and assassinations. They were focused really on promoting the ideas through spoken and written communication, you know, like public meetings, demonstrations, and the press. And the press was really the crucial axis of their efforts in disseminating the ideas and sustaining their identity. Their local, public, um, their local publications like La Tribuna Libera, L'Operao, Lux and others, which served to spread anarchist thought and discuss ideas and issues of social emancipation. Um, the weekly paper La Parau mostly promoted anarcho-syndicalism, and then the paper Il Domini came up and decided to adopt a more stridently libertarian tone. Um, and then you have. Uh, Rise Again or Risorgete, which is another paper, another weekly that promoted a very strong anti-clerical line. Um, and then there was the paper O Ergatis, which was or the worker. And that was an organi- organ for the emancipation of women and the worker. And it provided primarily for a Greek language readership. Um, honestly, a lot of these papers will tailored towards specific languages. So they had Greek, you had um, Italian, and you also had French, um, like Leunion and L'Idea. But despite its polygot character, the anarchist press in Egypt doesn't seem to have included an Arabic language newspaper, which is kind of weird when you're surrounded by Arabic-speaking people. However, Anarchism had regularly featured in the mainstream Arabic newspapers since the, 19, since the 1890s, usually, however, in reports in the activities of the movement abroad, not locally in Egypt. At the same time, there were also journals like Al-Muqtataf and Al-Hilal, which carried articles discussing the origins and development of anarchist thought and practice. It seems as though in 1897, there was also a figure who engaged with socialist ideas, but that particular um, publication seems to have been closed down quite quickly by the authorities, particularly for featuring the work of Salama Musa and Shibli Shumayil, who were two Egyptian writers who were clearly influenced by anarchist ideas. Something that just occurred to me is that what it could be influencing this is that the Italians and the Greeks and the French and all these different people who are writing about these anarchist ideas in Egypt, it's possible they had a bit more leeway when it came to the local authorities that locals themselves would not have. Their foreign status may have provided them with slight immunity 
in comparison, and this is just me spitballing, but it's possible that Arabophone writers and speakers would be taking on significantly more risk if they were to agitate in the same ways that these, you know, migrant workers were advocating. And then there's also the component, uh, that's speculation, but there is the proven component of financial difficulties and limited literacy rates among the Egyptian population that made it difficult to distribute um, Arabic language material uh, related to anarchism. You know, because a lot of the workers in Egypt who spoke Arabic were not literate. Um, what did help, though, because, you know, the anarchists were about that life, um, they would go to cafes um, and read the newspapers out loud to reach their target audience. <laughs> the first podcasters. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. The first podcasters, for real. Uh, as the anarchist movement in Egypt was really commemorating important political events, celebrating the principles through posters, leaflets, and flyers, um, celebrating the anniversary of events like the Paris Commune and May Day, uh, to really spread that message of international solidarity among the workers. Um, anarchists in Egypt were also very fond of showing solidarity to their international figures. Um, like Francesco Ferrer, uh, who was a very influential Spanish anarchist thinker, who did a lot of work in the field of anarchist education. He created Ferrer schools, which influenced figures like Emma Goldman to create their own modern schools in the US and elsewhere. Um, and he was arrested and then executed, which led to a lot of protest both locally and internationally, uh, making him something of a martyr for the anarchist cause. Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women, creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection, obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through six X. Visit TomboyX.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy 
Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. And to the outrage expressed at the execution of Ferreira was not simply just a protest against the attorney, but also recognition of his status as an advocate for secular education, which is an important vehicle for, you know, social emancipation. Before Francisco Ferreira was executed, though, anarchists in Egypt were already working on educational programs. In fact, they launched their most ambitious project, the Free Popular University, or Universita Populare Libera, or UPL, in Alexandria in 1901. The UPL aimed to provide free evening education to the popular classes and received you know, great support across Alexandrian society. Uh, courses included you know, the works of Tolstoy and Bakunin, uh, the arts, and pragmatic topics like worker negotiation strategies. However, the UPL's radical nature also brought criticism, with the Italian authorities initiating legal proceedings against a UPL lecturer for some remarks he made about the assassination of the Italian king, Umberto <laughs> I. Uh, I, of course, leave you to speculate <laughs> what those comments and remarks may have been. <laughs> but despite some initial public support, its critics accused the UPL of being based on depraved principles. <laughs> now, I mentioned this school before in the episode I did on Islam and anarchism. And like I said in that episode, Arabic speakers wouldn't quickly marginalize from the education and the UPL gradually became more aimed toward and controlled by upper class interests. In fact, within a year, reliably bourgeois elements had wrested control of the UPL from its anarchist founders and had wrested control of the UPL from its anarchist founders and proceeded to transform it into a vocational college that, among other things, taught shorthand, accountancy, and languages. So despite its very brief existence as a revolutionary project, the UPL marked an important moment for anarchism in Egypt and inspired other movements seeking educational reform. The UPL's impact and vision influenced Egyptian Egyptian nationalists who established the Higher Schools Club in 1905, which also emphasized educational means for political purposes. Anarchism in Egypt had a significant impact on the development of the labor movement. As a new working class emerged towards the end of the 19th century, anarcho-syndicalism emerged as a powerful force advocating for formal collective organization as the instrument of social revolution. Of course, Egypt's labor movement wasn't entirely new, as guilds had been part of the traditional Ottoman order, regulating trade and providing mutual aid. But the modernization efforts of Muhammad Ali, no relation, and Egypt's integration into the international capitalist system changed that landscape, affecting the role of guilds and shaping the working class. Foreign workers, like I mentioned before, came into Egypt alongside native Egyptian labor. Um, but despite the differences between them, evidence does show a strong cooperation and collaboration between the groups. The native Egyptian working class was affected by a variety of factors, but there was a model of collaboration that was emerging between European and Egyptian workers. The Cigarette Rulers Union, for example, was initially a Greek body in Cairo, but later became more inclusive as 
their successful strike in 1809-1900 marked a milestone in Egyptian industrial militancy. However, their subsequent strikes faced However, subsequent, subsequent strikes faced brutal confrontations with the police, leading to divisions among the workers. By the end of the first decade of the century, the Anarcho-Syndicalist International Union had emerged as a significant force based on universalist principles and international solidarity. The optimism for the future of a socialist centre in Cairo was a reflection of the broader movement within the working class led by anarchists and syndicalists. Anarchism first appeared in Egypt among Italian political refugees and workers during the 1860s. Nurtured by a developing international network of labour, transport and communications, it expanded beyond Italian circles to attract members from across Egypt's diverse communities. Through heterogeneous, through the discourse of radical social emancipation and propaganda and public action, declaring the universality of humankind and decrying the evils of capitalism, state power and religious dogma, the anarchist movement would come into force in Egypt's history. In the years after 1900, anarchist syndicalism played a central role in the development of the labor movement, articulating the rights of workers in struggle against capital, against capital and promoting internationalist activism. Yet while it rejected Yet while they rejected nationalism as an organizing principle, anarchists did at times make common cause the nationalists against imperialism and, argu- and arguably had a reverberating influence on the strategies and tactics of the nationalist movement. That's all I have for today on this brief moment in Egyptian anarchist history. But I hope uh, it illuminated a very interesting uh, chapter and context and sphere. Yeah, and I, I I think there's another kind of important broader lesson from this that is, I think, mostly forgotten, which is that, you know, from, fr- from this period of, I don't know, r- roughly the late 1800s through about 1917, like in most parts of the world, except for basically like Western Europe or not even Western Europe, like apart from basically like the Germanies, if you're talking about socialism, there's like anywhere in the world, there's a very, very good chance the thing you're actually talking about is anarchism. And, you know, there's been a sort of systemic attempt by both liberal and sort of later communist like historians to sort of like wipe the historical record clean and make it look like everything was always sort of like, the sort of onrush of Marxism, but like that just wasn't true. And there were very powerful uh, anarchist movements on every continent. And they did a lot, they did a lot of really interesting things. And yeah. Yeah. That, that really needs to be respected and recognized and it hasn't so far. Uh, so hopefully this, and if folks check out the book, um, they can get some more insights on some of the other actions that were taking place uh, in that time. Again, the book is Anarchism and Syndicalism in the Colonial and Post-Colonial World. Um, It really illuminates a lot of that lost history. Thanks for joining me and Mia on this episode of It Could Happen Here. Again, you can follow me, Andrew, uh, on the YouTube channel, Andrewism, and support on patreon.com slash Andrew. Take care, y'all. 
It Could Happen Here is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.